folks, Dr. Travis McMacken here. Welcome or welcome back, as the case may be. Thank you for choosing to spend a bit of your day with me. I hope that I can at least help you to think some interesting thoughts. I'll be back with you in a moment after the music ends. Hi folks, I'm Dr. Travis McMacken. I teach religion and interdisciplinary studies at Lindenwood University in St. Charles, Missouri, just a little bit west of St. Louis, Missouri. And I am here to talk to you today about a concept called Christian atheism. Christian atheism. Now, a lot of times when we hear these words put together, we have a little uh, explosion go off in our brain because we're, we think they're not supposed to go together. Whenever we think about Christian, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be an atheist, they seem like they would be exact opposites of each other because doesn't being a Christian involve believing in a God and doesn't atheism mean not believing in a God? So how is it possible to be a Christian who believes in God at the same time that you're an atheist who doesn't believe in God? Well, that's a really, really excellent uh, question. And it involves a lot of definitions. Uh, so you have to define what you mean by believing and thinking certain things. You have to define what you believe, mean by the word God. You even have to define what you mean by the word exists if you really wanna answer that question uh, from that angle. There's another way of thinking about it, however, and that's the way that I want to talk with you about today. Um, another response to hearing the phrase uh, Christian atheist or by uh, answering the question, um, do you think God exists or do you believe God exists? Another question that could pop to mind is, which one? Which God do you think exists or not? Because uh, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of different gods in the various religious traditions in the world today and down through history. Uh, there's a joke in religious studies uh, that goes, uh, that says there are 33,000 different gods just in Hinduism. But then you could talk to some other Hindus who say that all of those different gods are just manifestations of one god, and you've got these different branches of Hinduism fighting with one another. There's just thousands, an almost infinite number of different ways you can think about and imagine and conceptualize God. So if somebody asks you, do you believe in God? The immediate response should be, well, which one? Which one am I supposed to believe in? And for Christians, there's a really specific answer. Uh, to be a Christian does not mean to be somebody who answers the question, do you believe in God, by saying yes. That has absolutely nothing directly to do with Christianity. A Christian has to ask the question, well, what God? And the God that Christians believe in, again, is a very specific God. Christians believe in the God and Father of Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of the Jewish people. So uh, it's that particular God that Christians believe in. So just saying, yes, I believe in God in general, or a God in general, is not a particularly Christian thing to say. There are lots of other folks who can say that and mean very, very different things by it than the Christian concept of the triune God, the God and Father of Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, I don't know if you know Ricky Gervais and Stephen Colbert. So Ricky Gervais is a pretty famous, uh, famous uh, British comedian, also a TV actor, movie actor, uh, and he's a very vocal atheist. Now, Stephen Colbert is a late-night talk show host and comedian who's a very committed Catholic. I've seen him on a number of his shows just recite the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed, no problem. He's got it memorized. 
and Gervais, you know, the exact opposite, this very outspoken atheist. And so Colbert had Gervais on his show, and they were talking about being an atheist. And Ricky Gervais made a really, really good observation. He said to Stephen Colbert, I mean, we're not so far apart, you and I. I, Ricky Gervais, only believe in one fewer gods than you do, because there's all these different gods out there. And if you're a Christian, you only believe in one out of the thousands and thousands and thousands. You disbelieve in all the other ones. And Gervais says, I only disbelieve in one more God than you do. And I think that's a really helpful point. And it helps us rethink exactly what we mean when we talk about Christianity and atheism. Christians only, atheists only disbelieve one more God than Christians do out of all these many thousands of gods that Christians do not believe in. Uh, when I first uh, saw that exchange between Gervais and Colbert, it made me think of a story from the ancient church. It's a story called the martyrdom of Polycarp. Martyrdom, of course, uh, refers to when somebody gets killed for their faith. And Polycarp was a, a really important bishop in the second century, the 200s, uh, or the 100s of uh, the common era, so after Jesus' death. And a tradition says that Polycarp was actually a disciple of the Apostle John uh, and standing in his direct line. So this is way back at the beginning. Now, Polycarp and some of his people got in trouble with the Roman Empire because they did not want to make sacrifices to the emperor. Back in those times uh, during Imperial Rome, they had what we call an emperor cult, which means a religion focused around the emperor. And it's kind of like a state religion. It's what you did to demonstrate that you were a good citizen. So from time to time, you would make certain sacrifices to the emperor as part of what it meant to be a good citizen. And Christians weren't big fans of this. And in this particular instance, they resisted making these sacrifices got arrested, and then brought into an arena where they were going to be tortured and killed, by, torn apart by animals, burned at the stake, and all of this kind of thing. And so Polycarp is their leader. He gets taken in. He's brought out into the arena. He's shown to the um, Roman governor that's there and all the crowd. And all the crowd is chanting, away with the atheists. They're saying two Christians away with the atheists. They're calling these Christians atheists. Now, why are they doing that? Well, it's because the Christians are not believing in the emperor. They're not wanting to participate in the emperor cult. They also don't believe in these other Greco-Roman gods like Mars and Jupiter and all of these different gods and goddesses, uh, Venus, that uh, you had the temples to. And so the Roman citizens see these Christians and they're like, well, these folks are atheists. They don't believe in any of these gods and they won't participate in the emperor cult calling Christians atheists. Polycarp, his response is he lets the crowd die down and he looks out at the crowd and he makes this big gesture to encompass them all and he says, away with the atheists. So he just throws it right back at them. And this underscores the fact that when we're talking about these things, it all depends on what God you're talking about. You can have different people believing in some form of divinity, as some God, some deity, but each one thinking that the other one is ultimately an atheist because they don't believe in the same one. And it's that identity of the God that you believe in that is so important for Christianity. Again, it's belief in a very specific God, the God that raised a condemned Jewish revolutionary criminal from the dead, the God who picked an ancient, insignificant Near Eastern people as God's people, a people that would suffer all throughout 
uh, the centuries and the millennium in the service of God. It is a God of those losers that Christians believe in, not just God in general. All throughout the Christian tradition, there has been a great concern with idolatry. And this goes back to the Jewish tradition as well. So idolatry is when you're worshiping a false god and you have an idol, a little representation, a physical representation of the god that you're worshiping. And you can, if you read through the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, um, the Jewish word for it is the Tanakh. If you read through these scriptures, you see God's people time and again in these stories going after false gods and worshiping idols and God having to send different means of correcting them and getting them back on the right path. So worshiping the wrong God is a big concern in both the Jewish and the Christian traditions. You want to make sure that you're not worshiping the wrong God. And so how do you identify which God you're worshiping? Well, for the ancient Israelites in the Old Testament time, you look at the Ten Commandments. How does the Ten Commandments start? Not believe in God in general, but I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, don't have any other gods. Therefore, all the other gods should be as though they are dead to you. All the other gods should be as though they do not exist for you. Why? Because I am this particular God and I did this particular thing to save you. And it says, I am the Lord your God. Whenever you're reading in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and you see the word Lord, and it's all in like capital letters, that's standing in for God's proper name. It's not the word God in general. It's not a general concept. It's a very particular one. It's Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this very particular God is saying, I'm your God. You belong to me because I did this particular thing for you. And this whole pattern of thought carries forward into the New Testament. Paul says that Christians uh, love God and believe Jesus because God and Jesus first loved them. This particular God, the God and Father of Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who brought his people out of the land of Egypt and the house of slavery, that particular God loved you, Christian, first, and therefore you love that particular God in turn. None of the other ones. None of the other ones even matter just a little bit. They matter not at all. So you see this come out also in Deuteronomy chapter 6 with um, the basic confessional statement of the Jewish tradition. It's called the Great Shema. It's uh, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, and that command to hear, it's the Hebrew word Shema. Shema Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord alone. Only listen to your God. This comes out of a context of henotheism. When all of this was written down and these traditions developed, there wasn't monotheism in the sense that we know it today. Monotheism is a general word that means believing in only one God. It didn't exist back in the ancient world. At this time, it's henotheism, which is where you think there might be lots of gods and spiritual powers that exist, but you only serve one of them. So in this passage, God, the Lord, this particular God who has done this particular thing for them is saying, hey, Listen to me, not anybody else. Listen to me, I'm the only God that matters, not any other gods. And over time, it develops from this view where there are multiple gods and your God is the king God, so to speak, the only one you need to worry about and serve, to there is that only God, only that God exists. So you've got that natural development. But at the core, it's the idea that Jews and Christians serve a very particular God 
because that particular God did something for them and nothing else matters. All other gods and demands that get placed upon you don't matter at all in light of this command that you have from the God who saved you. John Calvin um, was a very important Protestant reformer in the 1500s in Geneva. And he says that human nature, what it means to be a human being, is to be a perpetual factory of idols. What it means to be human is to be constantly generating false gods, just constantly. We can't live without generating false gods. And so it's super important for Christians to be on the lookout for any way that they start getting distracted from this one God that Christians serve, the God and Father of Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the Christian God. Anything else you need to be an atheist about. Anything else, you have to argue strenuously, it does not exist. Anything else, you don't listen to at all, you completely ignore. So away with all of that. Away with those false gods. In that sense, the Christian has to be a very strict atheist. None of these other gods, none of these other demands can exist in light of the commands and demands of this particular god. So Christians need to resist any impulse that they have to equate their own conception of God, their own mental picture of God with the one God, because as soon as you do that, you've lost. As soon as you've done that, you set up an idol. You're no longer serving the free God who comes and saves you and reorients your life. Now you're beginning to create God in your own image. Humans are created in God's image, not Humans create God in their own image, even though it happens every day. That's not how it should happen. So as soon as that starts happening, as soon as you start um, getting too interested in the idea of God in general or belief in God in general, and that gets disconnected from it being this particular God of these particular losers, including Christians, as soon as that disconnection happens, you're in the realm of idolatry and you need a healthy dose of atheism to step in and say no. You do not believe in that. So that's why Christianity has to have a really strong atheist component. That's why we need a healthy dose of Christian atheism. In order to be a good Christian, you need to pump up your atheism muscles, develop them, and don't be afraid to turn them loose from time to time against the conceptions of the world around you and how they want to talk about God, but also about how you're thinking about God and anything else that is starting to function as the most important thing in your life. There's only one thing that should be the most important thing in your life. There's only one thing that you should listen to. Shema Israel, hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord alone. Christians have to be dedicated atheists who are nevertheless compelled to engage in the ministry of reconciliation, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and spread the word of God's love in Jesus Christ, in this crucified first century Jewish revolutionary criminal. That's where God's love is. And if you think you find God or God's love anywhere else, it's time to be atheist. I hope you've enjoyed this discussion and it leads you to think some more about Christian atheism in the future. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the McCracken Cast. I am, and hopefully will remain, Dr. Travis McMacken. I do all the production work myself, in case you couldn't tell, but the music is by my son, Connor. Until next time, 
Think interesting thoughts.